Hello, everyone. My name is Oiz Asmal. Welcome to another episode of Two Ways to Skin a Cat, a show where we talk career experiences, entrepreneurship, and investments. The main aim is to show that there's more than one way to be successful other than just climbing the corporate ladder. We are live on LinkedIn and YouTube, and the show will be available on podcast by tomorrow morning. So don't forget to like, subscribe, and click on that notification bell to get automatically notified when the next episode comes out. If you are joining us live, drop a one in the comments so that we know we're not talking to ourselves. And drop it to in the comments if you're watching the recording. My guest for this week is Viano Lafir, Chartered Accountant and Audit Partner and Digital Assets Lead at Mazar South Africa, focusing on blockchain and cryptocurrency. Vian, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having you, I appreciate the, the time. Let's just jump straight into the meat of it. Tell us your story, where do you come from, and even outside of work, who is Viano Lafir? <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah, so um, I essentially uh, obtained my uh, B Act degree to the University of Stellenbosch. Um, once I finished off there, I started articles. And while I was doing my articles at Mazars in Cape Town, um, I started working on my postgraduate diploma in accounting. Uh, passed that eventually, uh, then wrote board, all that. Finished up at Mazars in my articles, stayed on afterwards for a couple of months. And then uh, I Thought, no, let me let me see what's going on in the corporate world. I left audit essentially to join maintenance uh, private equity and real estate division. I was there for a full six months, and then I decided to go back to audit. And I've been with Mazars ever since. Uh, of course, Mazars being an international integrated firm as well. Um, I did some uh, a couple of months overseas, working in our New York office as well, um, and then back to South Africa. And then essentially just climbed the the, the ropes or went through the ropes uh, in, in Cape Town. Uh, becoming a, a manager, senior manager, all the way to partner back in 2018. Um, and um, I think back in, back in I think the start of, of 2018 or, or the start of 2019, I identified um, this potential that we could have in, uh, in, in the cryptocurrency sector and servicing these virtual asset service provider that are essentially disrupting the financial services sector. Um, and then we started to build credibility from there. Of course, I did a, a course through MIT in, in the U.S., uh, on, on blockchain innovation and I'm also currently studying a master's in digital currencies uh, and blockchain technology as well so yeah it's it's been quite a wild ride uh, I've been through all the ups and downs in the crypto market and uh, felt felt the punches with our clients as well um, but of course we've, we've tried to make this industry as, as safe as possible for, for all the stakeholders involved and that's the main aim um, for us as auditors as well um, I mean and outside of work uh, I'm, I'm probably um, not your ordinary chartered accountant, but uh, in the sense that I, I like to do a variety of things. It's not just sitting in front of a, a laptop and working over weekends and so on. Uh, my wife just gave birth uh, two weeks ago to our baby daughter, so our first child in the house. Thanks so much. Um, so, yeah, that's also been a, a, quite a challenge on its own. Um, but, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. But uh, otherwise than that, um, that, that's who I am and, and, and what I do. And so outside of work, you mentioned a little bit on the weekend, sports person, not sports person, or you were... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was joking about it over the weekend as well, while the Springboks was playing uh, against Australia as well. I think we, we left my mother-in-law's birthday a bit early, so I can make sure I'm on time <laughs> back for the for the Springbok game. So yeah, and, and, and spend spare time over the weekends, um, I usually just go for a walk uh, with my dog. Every single morning we go walk 4Ks and come back, maybe take a jog. 
Um, and then we'd like to socialize over the weekends um, with friends and family. Um, so that's that's essentially what we do over the weekends to take some time off and to chill and, and just move your mind away from the crazy work that happens from, from Monday at uh, Monday starting probably at six and, and Friday uh, ending whenever. Leaving early for a buck game, that sounds like priority. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or proper client lunch. <laughs> <laughs> If, I mean, you mentioned audit partner feels like one end of the spectrum and like digital assets, blockchain and cryptocurrency kind of feels like the other end of the spectrum. Like, how do you marry the two? So it's, it's an interesting concept because if you think about auditors in general, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say chartered accountants, but auditors tend to be very risk evasive. So they want to stay away from something that they're unfamiliar with or they want to focus on what they do and they, what they do good. Um, so it's it's... It's, it's a weird part to actually for auditor and, and digital assets to, to cross because of the fact that digital assets has gotten uh, such a bad reputation over the uh, last couple of years, especially with the, um, the use of cryptocurrency, uh, uh, with the use of illicit trade and, and financing uh, due to its pseudonymous characteristics. Um, and also, of course, the amount of scams that take place in, in South Africa and across the world on a, on a daily basis. So it does seem like something that that auditor would tend to stay away from. But I think what we've done in, in Mazar, South Africa, is we've gone and we went out to understand the technology. We went out to understand how this industry operates, what to look for, what to look out for. Of course, I don't say yes to every single client that comes along and say they want a, a auditor appoint a, a auditor or they need uh, help from accounting point of view or from a tax advisory point of view. Of course, we do our due diligence and assess it as well, of course, just to make sure that these individuals that uh, we are accepting as clients, that, that we want them and we want to be associated with them as well. Because if you can imagine as well, um, and, and maybe we'll chat about the regulations a bit later, but these virtual asset service providers, even though they operate in a regulated space, meaning the companies that exchange control regulations, the, the VAT Act, the Income Tax Act, they are operating in a regulated space. The only issue, however, is that the asset class that they're dealing with still is unregulated at this point in stage. So that's, that's a, a, a fine line to understand as well. And of course, if these virtual asset service providers don't adhere to the bare minimum of the Companies Act, at least, what's going to happen down the line when the asset class is regulated and they need to adhere to all of these regulations? So that's where you need to make your assessment of your clients and what is their views in terms of the regulations in, in, in South Africa and across the world. But um, back to the question about how audit and, and cryptocurrency comes together, and it's, and it's quite interesting. I thought about it the other day as well. If you think about any industry per se, anything in the world can actually be audited. Of course, if there's element of subjectivity to it, it becomes a bit more difficult. And then you start, with, start working with the reasonabilities and ranges and those types of things. But anything out there can essentially be audited. And the same applies to cryptocurrencies as well. Of course, there is these... Uh, what we refer to this is pseudonymous uh, characteristics, meaning that if you look on the blockchain, um, cryptocurrency transactions can be traced to, to, to any payment and receipt. But the issue is you can't necessarily see who the owner is of a public key address, of, let's call it an account on the blockchain, um, who that account holder is. And of course, there's certain ways to prove that you're the account holder on the blockchain, but there's not necessarily an ability to link a public key address or account with the individual user. Of course, when there are instances of fraud, you can you can uh, follow this trail by subpoenaing information from exchanges and all those types of things. Because eventually, the exchanges 
uh, or they, they said the cryptocurrency need to be liquidated for, for real world money um, for, for the scam or whoever is stealing the money to do off with it. But I mean, of course, not, not referring to uh, cryptocurrencies. This is the only thing that's been used for is, is the scams and, 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 and the illicit trade happening uh, out there. There is a hell of a lot of good that cryptocurrency is doing in the world currently as we speak. For the audience, uh, we'll be responding to questions towards the end. So please add your questions to the comment section now so that we make sure we don't miss them. So, so let's say there's a young professional out there who might be interesting, interested in learning more about digital assets, more about blockchain and cryptocurrencies. Which resources would you recommend or where should they start? Jeez, um, I think you, you did a, a webinar on, on Monday as well where I like the fact that you, you said that you had some skin in the game because the sooner, if you want to learn about cryptocurrency and see how it operates and how it moves, you need to have some skin in the game. So the first of all is I would say go to a virtual asset service provider um, such as the likes of, of Luna or Valor or Altcoin Trader, one of those guys, and open up an account and 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 play around with it. Try to understand it. Move funds from, from your wallet to an on-chain address. Try and self-custody your private keys and all those type of things to make sure that you... Um, that you understand cryptocurrency and, and more or less how it operates. The second part of your question is, is where you go to, to learn more about cryptocurrencies and, and where you go to understand more about it. And I think this is a difficult area because I think when I got involved initially, um, I did that through course to MIT, but the issue is there, it, it gave you a base to work with. It gave you a high level understanding of what digital assets are, what cryptocurrency are, how blockchain uh, operates and all those types of things, but it didn't give you the deep down knowledge of, of what is a public key, what is a private key, what is multi-sig wallets, um, how do you you get insurance over ownership, um, how to link uh, uh, pub keys with ex-pub keys, all that it becomes very technical. And I can tell you, evenings on end, I spent online researching it and reading up on blogs and all those types of things. So. Unfortunately, when I started to get involved, there wasn't a hell of a lot um, going on in this space in terms of, of literature out there. Subsequent to that, of course, there's been some literature. Uh, Andreas Antonopoulos is a, is a very famous, um, uh, let's call it a lecturer on, on digital assets of all uh, Bitcoin and, and Ethereum. He, he wrote two books, Understanding Bitcoin and Understanding Ethereum. So that drills into the more technical detail if you're under, interested in, in that. But... Um, if you if you want to learn more about the industry as a whole, it's just to 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 stay abreast. I mean, MoneyWeb they've got their dedicated crypto page as well. You mentioned crypto banter also gives you a good understanding or just an update of what's happening in the market. Um, and I mean, even if you if you think about some of some of um, the other virtual asset service providers like Luno, they issues blog uh, almost daily. Same with Valor, uh, Revex as well, also a client of ours. They also issue these uh, blogs on a, on a regular basis, and and they host webinars as well. The next webinar is happening, I think, this week or next week, where they specifically chat about the Ethereum merge uh, as well that's taking place now this month. Um, so there isn't a, a central point to to gain all the information or a one course that you can do that can, can solve all your questions or those types of things. It's, it's constantly keeping abreast of what's happening in the market, but also doing a hell of a lot of reading in terms of uh, how this how this technology operates. Because the thing that we need to understand is, that I got a question the other day from someone asking about how does Walmart use the Bitcoin blockchain to chat transactions, which of course isn't the case, but they didn't understand that there are multiple blockchains out there. And multiple blockchains means multiple currencies as well, being if we call it something like a ERC20 token on the Ethereum blockchain or maybe just a native token of some other 
uh, blockchain has been created. And all of them have different characteristics as well. So if you think something like Bitcoin is far, far, far from what we see, what Ethereum is as a currency, as a blockchain as well. And the same with Ripple and the, and the same with Solana. Um, and the same what we refer to as these altcoins as well. So there is a, a hell of a lot going on. And, and that's something that you mentioned on Monday as well. You need to look at the underlying technology of the digital assets if you want to invest in cryptocurrency, of course, or you want to buy cryptocurrency for utility purpose. Um, so, yeah, that, that's it in short. I see, I see that you've got a master's in blockchain. I wasn't even aware that there were degrees that focus specifically on the industry. Is it like a well-kept secret? Yeah, so it, oh, I battled to find something because, as I mentioned, I did the course through MIT as well, and it, it only it only pierced the, the surface in terms of what was going on uh, in there. So I started to do research. I uh, also did, I think I, at some point, I, I, I subscribed for this thing that to become a certified blockchain, blockchain professional. Uh, of course, they just test your knowledge and you write a couple of multiple quiz and then you get that certification. But nothing was really enough in the sense that I needed something that carried a bit more weight. And then, of course, um, that essentially led me to, um, to the current uh, course I'm doing to the University of Nicosia in Cyprus. And essentially what they do is they, it's seven subjects. If you're not going for thesis, I think it was seven years. Oh, no, sorry, it's nine subjects uh, that covers a variety of, of, of uh, subcategories of cryptocurrency. It talks about um, a blockchain, talks about the laws and regulations. It talks about how it is designed, the tokenomics behind it, the security behind it. Um, and I mean, they have been running since... I think almost it might be 2013 or 2014. So they've they've come along a long way, or come along a, a while now as well. And of course, some of those lecturers that I meant is Andreas Oppenopoulos. He's also one of the lecturers at, at the at the university as well. Um, but yeah, it, it's really an industry and a, and a topic that you can't imagine actually how vast it is. You think cryptocurrency is it's just a straightforward uh, topic, but it definitely isn't. I had one of my partners. Um, asked me the question as well a while back and says, why are you doing a master's in in in, in cryptocurrency? Isn't it just too focused? And, and I'll say to her, you clearly have no idea how vast of a topic this is, of all the inner workings that goes with cryptocurrency and the, the principles of money that actually play a fundamental uh, role in cryptocurrencies in decentralized finance as well. And now the, the famous question, what's your opinion on where the market is currently? <laughs> so, so once again, of course, like the, if you think about the market um, and and watch it on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, you'll definitely be more gray than you and I am now because I mean this market is, is extremely volatile. So, from my perspective, of course, I'm not giving financial advice whatsoever, but from my perspective, I I believe in the technology over the long term. So. Um, I, I, my plan is to keep my digital assets up until 2030 and then reassess from there. So um, I hold certain currencies with, with utility. And, and we spoke about this prior to the call as well, is, is when I invest in a cryptocurrency or I buy a cryptocurrency, I tend to look at um, at the underlying asset. Is it is it a case where there is um, a real technology there or uh, there is certain elements to that give value as opposed to just buying some meme coin that has no utility whatsoever, for example. So if you think about it, something like Ethereum, of course, actually Ether. Ether is the native token of the Ethereum blockchain. 
Um, and now the Ethereum blockchain allows you to mint things that we refer to as ERC20 tokens. Um, and you can create any type of token if you want. I can create UA tokens now um, and I can sell it in, in, the, in the open market, but depending whether someone will buy it or not, but it doesn't have any utility. It doesn't have any really real technological value or anything of that sort. It's just another uh, meme coin or, or altcoin that, um, that that doesn't really have any value. So um, just just bear that in mind. So my long long term goal is 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 uh, 2030. I've also got um, this there's a couple of interesting investment platforms as well. So something like Revix, you've got these. Um, predefined bundles that you can buy as well. Um, so you can can look at a, a top 10 market cap bundle. So back in the day, I think when I got involved initially, uh, I was looking at these um, bundles and I couldn't necessarily understand um, the, the reason for wanting to buy a bundle that holds a top 10 cryptocurrency because I could just go to Binance and buy these cryptocurrency and hold it and I can weight it accordingly. But I think once I understood, I think post 2017, how the market moves uh, and how a coin that could be 20th could be ranked in market cap um, fifth uh, in a week's time, uh, just shows you how quick the market can move. So to a certain extent, I've also um, mitigated my risk and hedged my risk a bit by investing into these bundles. Of course, they've got the top 10 bundle, they've got uh, the decentralized finance bundles, they've got smart contract bundles. So it invests in different cryptocurrencies with different use cases and those types of things. So that's also one of the, the, the products that I like to use um, that that gives you a, a more of a broad uh, um, uh, exposure to the cryptocurrency market. But I mean, where we find ourselves in, it, it's been a bit of a downturn, but I mean, for, for most of the world markets have, have had a, a bit of a beating as well. I think, um, <laughs> I want to say the black swan is like a, a flock of black swans flying over us at an odd day and age, but um, it is one of those things and, and you need to just maybe just to power through it. Uh, and, and once again, it comes back to the, um, to the age old saying, it's not, it's not timing in the market, it's time in the market. So when you're investing in cryptocurrency, or any other type of investments, it's important to remember that there is a lot of volatility, not as much as cryptocurrency, but over a short period of time. So then when you invest, you look at usually five to 10 years investment periods as well. Um, so we are on a bit of a downturn, but we're looking for that to move up uh, going forward as soon as we see more and more adoption of cryptocurrencies as well. I mean, if we look at El Salvador was the first country to to accept Bitcoin as legal tender. I think there was a country in Africa as well that uh, that also accepted Bitcoin as legal tender. Now it's not necessary to say that you can go into any shop and, and, and use Bitcoin to pay, but it basically builds that mass adoption that we're looking for. And slowly but surely, and it's quite interesting being in an audit environment as well, is we're seeing um, these legacy clients of ours actually start to incorporate and use cryptocurrency on a day-to-day -day basis. So we've got these legacy clients that either they're holding uh, cryptocurrency on the balance sheet to, to hedge themselves against the devaluation of, of fiat currencies, such as the RAND or whatever the case may be, or even for cross-border payments and remittances as well. So it's very interesting to see that use case. But that plays into the fact that I'm saying is, is cryptocurrency as a whole is reflexive. And reflexive means it has value because someone else believes it has value. And the same applies to, to gold, of course. Gold is a it's just a metal that we're harvesting from the earth. And it has value because I believe it has value, you believe it has value, everyone believes it has value. And the same happens with cryptocurrency. If people start to understand cryptocurrency as a whole and the use cases, 
that will also have that element of reflexity to it as well. And, and as soon as that mass adoption starts to grow, the value of the cryptocurrency on offer will, will, uh, um, will increase. And that's why I firmly believe in the, in the long-term investment of cryptocurrencies. Great. I've got a few more questions, but this questions are coming through from the audience. So I'm rather going to sure. jump over to that. Uh, we've got a question from Tivasha who says, what made you go back to audit? Because I know most people leave after articles. Some people say, okay, I'll spend two years as a manager. You've been there for 13 years. So what's got you coming back? I think, I think first of all, I think the firm Mazars that I'm working for is, is just an excellent firm to work for. I've never been treated unfairly, but I haven't always gotten my way, of course. Um, and I've had so much opportunities to, to grow within Mazars. Um, but I think... The reason why I'm still there is, is first of all, it's the clients, um, the people I deal with, and the flexibility of it all as well. Flexibility, of course, you would think audit has deadlines. We've got a hell of a lot of deadlines, but the the industry or um, the profession does does provide a, a certain element of flexibility that you wouldn't necessarily have in a corporate environment. So that's one of the key things. But the other thing is just the people and the clients and dealing with you because I. I'm a people's person. I like dealing with, with individuals and various different peoples and solving problems and those type of things. And I remember when I was in, at Maitland, I think during the six months that I was there, my phone maybe rang like five times and there were just a group of five or six individuals around me that I was talking to on a day-to-day basis. And then I just came to the conclusion, I've, I've accumulated this wealth of knowledge uh, in audit tax uh, um, uh, management accounting and um, and financial uh, um, uh, financial statements or IFRS or whatever the case may be, accounting, thank you. Um, and, and I didn't use it on a day-to-day basis. And it felt like it's all this potential, all this knowledge that's gone lost. And that's why I made the call back to back to Mazars. Because on a daily basis, I use every single thing that I've learned over the last 13 years. I deal with individuals on a day-to-day basis. And I do have that flexibility to, uh, on a Friday, if, if I want to go out for, for lunch with family or friends or or clients or whatever the case may be. Um, I, I know I've, I've done my bet throughout the week and, and I can basically just uh, take it from there and, and, and also enjoy my own time and take a bit of the stress off. Got a question from Bren who says, how is it like doing CTA and audit work? And what is your opinion <laughs> regarding the UNISA CTA program? <laughs> so it, it was rough. It was definitely rough uh, uh, to to um, to do both, but I think it's important to make sure that you you prioritize. Uh, of course, if you want to, and of course, commit as well. We were studying early in the mornings, then you went to work, then you did some studying after work uh, over the weekends. You studied instead of going out with friends and all those types of things. So it is a you need to prioritize in terms of where you want to spend your time, uh, and, and that's one of the key things. You also need to have that support of family, friends around you to, to make sure that you're able to do it. But it is it is hell of a difficult, but it's completely doable. I mean, I've done it, and so many people before me and after me have done it. It's just a case of dedication and 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 seeing where you want to end up at the end of the day, because having those those four letters of CISA behind your name makes it a completely different ball game in terms of, of going into the world, in, in not in South Africa, but all across the world. We've got a highly sought after designation uh, as well. So it does open a lot of doors. Um, look, and the UNISA CTA program, um, it is difficult. Uh, I know back in the day, um, uh, Graham O'Reilly was presenting the NSOA, National School of Accounting, classes. That was extremely helpful because those classes, 
I'm not one just sitting in front of the books and reading material. I need someone to to explain certain subjects to me as well, or certain topics to me as well. And that I found extremely useful. Uh, but I think reading from books alone isn't necessarily always sufficient. You need to to supplement it with those uh, interaction and 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 classes definitely when when you're doing that CTA through UNISA. I also did my CTA through UNISA, but I was lucky to do it full time, and I also did it through NSOA. So <laughs> that says, <laughs> that says something. Uh, We've got a question from Bali who says, is it good to hold cryptocurrencies in easy equities? It doesn't seem to be growing. Or which platform would you recommend? So there's, 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 we all really spoiled for choice in South Africa when it comes to the different platforms that you can choose from. So um, in, in my um, personal capacity, is I, I'm, I ordered a lot of these virtual asset service providers. So I know a little bit of, of, about the inner workings. You need to look at the... Um, the reputation, the market, how they view regulations, how the custody solution works. Um, so there are a lot of things that you need to look out for. I can't necessarily say that one is better than the other because there isn't strict standards to, to compare to. If you're looking for um, for cheaper fees, you go to one exchange compared to other. If you're looking at different products, for example, if you're looking at products such as I mentioned that's the bundles you go to one uh, virtual asset service provider compared to another. If you're looking for a farther reach of various currencies, you can look for one uh, virtual asset service provider uh, as opposed to another. There's also these, um, we refer to as DeFi, is, is, uh, these DeFi um, investment platforms as well. We can actually earn interest uh, on, on your cryptocurrency as well. So it depends on on what you what you look for in terms of um, uh, in terms of, of what you want to do to, to determine which uh, virtual asset service provider, which platform uh, you, you need to use. But um, like I said, they're all vastly different, even though on face value they seem to do exactly the same. Uh, you need to, to figure out what works best for you. Great. I think that's a great answer. We've got a question from Pranwan. It says, what is your opinion on the scalability versus centralization argument? Do you think centralization will decrease or with the adoption, or do you believe that tokens that sacrifice centralization for scalability will lose utility? So, so there's the age-old question, of course, when any blockchain is designed, um, it basically has, has three main pillars, if I can call it that. The one is the, the scalability, um, the one is the decentralized leg, and the other one is the security. So I think different different cryptocurrencies solve, solve different things. And maybe let me explain this by way of an example. If you look at something like the Bitcoin blockchain, it was designed with the element of, of decentralization, and, and security in view. So it gave a little bit way to the um, to the scalability element of it. And you look at something like Ripple, for example, was more focused on the scalability and the security of it as well. Um, so these two cryptocurrencies focuses were different because they were trying to achieve different things as well. Um, Satoshi Nakamoto's idea with Bitcoin and releasing the white paper is he wanted that element of decentralization that um, there's not one single party that's involved. But of course, that has a downside as well with if you look at things that the way um, the blockchain evolves and decisions need needs to be voted on and those things. But it makes it very democratic. But if you look at something like Ripple, for example, um, it only has, I think, 20 nodes. So there's only 20 records kept around the world. Um, but of course, that 
causes the transactions to occur a lot quicker and a lot cheaper. But of course, you can't necessarily compare the one to the other as well. So that's why we sit with what's referred to as the blockchain trilemma. Those three elements that are being weighed off against each other to try and see where to focus on something more to achieve a certain element. So I don't necessarily see there's a um, there's a right or a wrong answer here. Once again, it, it goes back to what you're trying to achieve when you're designing a blockchain uh, to determine um, what what will be your focus area uh, of those three pillars. This is one question that I like to ask all my guests. What is one piece of advice you would give your younger self? <laughs> Um, if if I, <laughs> I would think that that would be cheating because then I would just say to myself, buy a lot, a lot of Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> but if if I can can give myself a, a bit of advice, uh, it's just to to stay as as eager and as hungry as, as you possibly can. The, when I was at Maiden, there was a, a consultant that worked there, uh, Gertrum Driasma was his name. He was from from Netherlands, and he explained to me. If, if you're ever working at a company and, of course, you're constant learning, as soon as that line starts to plateau and, and there's no more learning taking place, then you need to find yourself a job as well. So if there's any advice that, that I could give my younger self as well, it's just to keep that in mind, to, to, to stay motivated, to stay eager, to stay hungry, and just to remember that that graph should also always be heading that way as opposed to, to plateauing because as soon as it, it starts to, to flatline you're just wasting your own time and you, you could be achieving other things and, and, and um, gaining more experience and more knowledge on, on other parts as well that's great advice any last few words from you or anything we didn't discuss that you'd like the audience to know yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, I think I mentioned briefly to you. So, for for those interested in um, in, in digital assets and cryptocurrencies as a whole, um, at the end of this month, there is what we refer to as the Crypto Fest happening in Cape Town. I'm also one of the uh, uh, speakers at the Crypto Fest. So, that's happened on the 30th of September in the waterfront. You can go to Bitcoin events uh, on their page as the Crypto Fest there for tickets. And then later this year, I'm also talking at the African Tech Festival on the um, 10th of November. I think it's running on the 8th, 9th, and the 10th of November. I'm also one of the speakers there uh, chatting about cryptocurrencies and how it has the ability to transform um, the, the financial landscape in Africa. And of course, have a look on, online as well. Um, there's multiple uh, articles and podcasts and webinars floating around. Uh, we are discussing various topics regarding cryptocurrency because, as I said uh, earlier, this, this, this topic is so vast, I, I can't uh, provide you all information in an half an hour's uh, session. So try to, if you want to know more, stay online, listen to the podcast, listen to the webinars, uh, do your reading of the articles, form your own opinions. And uh, and most important uh, of this, just to stay safe as well, is that, uh, as I mentioned, there is a lot happening in this space as well. And make sure that you deal with credible virtual asset service providers as well, if you want to get some skin in the game. That is a great way to end the show has been live on YouTube and should be available on podcast by tomorrow. If you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast and you feel that it's added value, don't forget to like, subscribe, and click on that notification bell to get automatically notified when the next episode comes out. Bian, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Two Ways to Skin a Cat. Goodbye.